It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. It is Thursday, August 26th, 2021. This is the Guy Benson Show. I'm Guy Benson. On the show today, we have three veterans, including two members of Congress. We will get to all of that coming up, but we begin with a Fox News alert. Twelve Americans, at least, are dead in a pair of terrorist bombings and a gunfight at or near Hamid Karzai International Airport in Afghanistan. Twelve Marines and one Navy operator confirmed killed. There is currently a briefing underway. It just started at the Pentagon. We have not heard from the U.S. government in any briefing yet today until right now. John Kirby is presiding and also present and speaking right now is General Kenneth McKenzie Jr., the commander at U.S. Central Command, talking about this devastating and deadly series of attacks at the airport in Kabul as the chaos grows even more deadly with more blood being shed, including, as we said, at least 12 Americans who have been killed and dozens of others wounded, both American and Afghan. We will go live to the Pentagon and this briefing, right now being conducted with John Kirby, the spokesman at the Pentagon, and the commander at U.S. Central Command, General McKenzie, with reporters now asking questions. Let's listen. ISIS in Afghanistan. Yes, if we can find who's associated with this, we will go after them. We've been clear all along that we're going to retain the right to operate against ISIS in Afghanistan. And we are working very hard right now to determine attribution, to determine who is associated with this cowardly attack, and we're prepared to take action against them. 24-7, we are looking for them. David. Uh, General David Barton with uh, CBS. 27 casualties is a terrible number, Um, 12 uh, dead. Could you explain the circumstances of these attacks which resulted in such uh, high casualties for the U.S.? Sure, sure, David. So first of all, you will understand that we're still investigating the exact circumstances. But what I can tell you is this. The attack occurred at a gate. And at a gate, we have to check people before they get onto the airfield. We have to ensure they're not carrying a bomb or any other kind of weapon that could ultimately make its way onto an aircraft. So that requires physical screening. You can't do that with standoff. You ultimately have to get very close to that person. So while the the, the air base itself is surrounded with T-walls, we're well bunkered in. We've done a variety of things to protect ourselves. At these interface points, these gates where people actually come on the airfield, there's no substitute for a young for a young man or woman, a young United States man or woman, standing up there conducting a search uh, of that person before we let them on. Now, the Taliban have conducted searches before they get to that point, and sometimes those searches have been good and sometimes not. I will simply note that before this attack, we had passed 104,000 people through. So this, this attack is one too many, but we will we'll evaluate what happened. We'll, we'll find ways to always get better. But the key thing is 
you don't want to let somebody on an airplane carrying a bomb because that could result in even massive loss of life uh, if, an air, if an airplane were to be destroyed. So you got to do the searches. We work with our Afghan partners on the ground, the NSU elements, to conduct those searches. But ultimately, Americans have got to be in danger to do these searches. There's really, there's really no other way to do it. And uh, again, I, I, I cannot tell you how impressed I am with the daily heroism of the men and women that are out there doing this work typically soldiers, sailors, and, uh, and Marines that are doing that work. And they're right up close to thousands of people that are flowing through the airfield. You've all seen the images. And uh, to be able to get up and do it day after day, it's remarkable. And this time, it looks like uh, somebody got close to us. We'll find out why. We'll try to improve our procedures. Uh, it is 12, 12, 12 service members dying. Nobody feels that more closely, uh, more directly than me and everyone else in the chain of command. And we recognize that we need to continue to evaluate our procedures as we go forward. Same time, there's a tension there. We have to continue to let people own the airfield because that is why we are there. We're not there to defend ourselves. We're there to defend ourselves while we process American citizens first, but also the other categories of people that I've mentioned, get them to a place where we can fly them out into a safer, better future. So just to be clear, this, this, this suicide bomber was going through the gate, being searched, checked, by U.S. service members when he detonated his vest, David. That that's uh, that would be my working assumption. I know this. He did not get inside the. He did not get on the installation. It was at the interface point where they try to come in where this attack occurred. And we just don't know more right now. We're gathering that information, as you will understand. We're, we're investigating that, but right now our focus really. We have other active threat streams, extremely active threat streams against the airfield. We want to make sure that we've taken the steps we need to take to protect ourselves there. So our focus is on that. Over the next few hours and day or two, we'll learn a lot more about what happened here. And I'm sure we'll be able to share that with you. But right now, our focus is actually going forward, ensuring that another attack of this nature does not occur. Because as you know, typically the pattern is multiple attacks. And we want to be prepared and be ready to defend against that. Courtney. Can you take down McKenzie? It's Courtney QB from NBC News. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the these extremely real additional threats from ISIS? Is it a, a <coughs> concern about more suicide attacks, um, and and also about some of the steps that you may be taking to mitigate future attacks? I mean, would it include putting U.S. troops or Marines outside the gates or outside of the airport? for additional perimeter security. And then finally, with all of this, is there any discussion about sending any additional U.S. troops to Kabul airport for additional security measures? So let me actually answer the last part of your question first. We assess we have the, the forces we need to protect ourselves there. I'm always in a constant dialogue with the secretary. If I needed anything else, I'd be talking to him immediately. But I think we have what we need to protect ourselves. So let's talk a little bit about the threat streams. So very, very real threat streams, uh, very, very uh, what we would call tactical. That means imminent, could occur at any moment. And they range from rocket attacks. We know that they would like to lob a rocket in there if they could. Now, we actually have pretty good protection against that. We have our uh, uh, our anti-rocket and mortar system, the gun systems that those of you who've been out there are very familiar with that are pretty effective against these kinds of attacks. We are well positioned around the boundary of the airfield, and we feel that we'd be, we would be in good shape should that kind of attack occur. We also know they aim to get a suicide, a vehicle-borne suicide attack in if they can, from a small vehicle to a large vehicle. They're working all those options. And then we've just seen their ability to deliver a walk-in, a vest-wearing suicide, uh, suicide attacker. All of those things we look at. Now, the other thing we do is we share versions of this information 
with the Taliban so that they can actually do some searching out there for us. And we believe that some attacks have been thwarted by them. Again, we've been doing this for a long, we've been doing this since the 14th. Uh, this, is a, this, this is an attack that's been carried out. We believe it's possible that others have been thwarted. We cut down the information we give the Taliban. They don't get the full range of information we have, but we give them enough to act in time and space to try to prevent these attacks. The other thing we try to do is we try to push out the boundary even further so that there, we don't get large crowds massing at the gate. Clearly, at Abbey Gate today, we had a larger crowd there than we would like, which goes to show you that the system is not perfect. But we have gained large elements of standoff at other gates, and we want to keep that kind of standoff in place. As you know, standoff for attacks like this is always the best defense. Unfortunately, we just don't have the opportunity, given the geography of the ground that we're on, to always gain that kind of standoff. So we take, let me close up your question by saying, we take the, the threat of these attacks very seriously. We're working them very hard. We, we're doing a variety of things. We got, uh, as you know, we have AH-64 attack helicopters on the ground uh, that we're flying to, to take a look. They have very good thermal and optical imaging systems. We got aircraft overhead that uh, have also have very good imaging systems. We have unmanned aircraft, MQ-9s, that have the ability to look. All of these systems are being applied in defense of the airfield, all of them on a continual basis, all of them vectored by the intelligence that we receive and that we and then we also use the Taliban as a tool to protect us as much as possible. I'm going to go to the phones. I haven't done that yet. Uh, Alex Horton, Washington Post. Yeah, just unmuting. Uh, hey, General, this is Alex Horton with the Washington Post. Thanks for doing this. Uh, can you give us a sense of where you are in casualty notification for for these folks on the ground? Uh, you know, how long you expect it to take, given that it's a large number? Um, and also, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how the forces have reacted? You said that you introduced a little, probably more standoff at this point, but what are other measures you're taking to increase security uh, after the attack? Sure. So I would, I would actually defer you to if you're just tuning in, this is the Guy Benson Show. You're listening live at the Pentagon. This is a briefing being conducted by General Kenneth McKenzie, Jr. He's the commander of U.S. Central Command, fielding questions from the press corps after an absolutely horrible day in Afghanistan. Twelve Americans at least have been killed in a series of attacks attributed to ISIS. The situation at the airport is as bad as, as, bad as it has ever been. Our colleague... Chris Wallace called it a death trap moments ago on Fox News Channel. Let's go back to the briefing live. They'll, they will be willing to close those roads because we assess the threat of a suicide-borne vehicle threat is high right now. So we want to reduce the possibility of one of those vehicles getting close. And so we're actually moving very aggressively to do that. We talked a little bit about the, the, over, the overwatch that we have in place, but I'll review it again. We have our unmanned aircraft, our MQ-9s and other unmanned drone systems that have very good optical and other means of looking down. So we, we look at what's happening around the gate. We try to identify patterns and we got highly trained people that take a look at that. We also have our aircraft that we fly locally uh, at the AH-64s that I mentioned a few moments ago, as well as other manned aircraft that come off the USS, uh, off the carrier that we have off the Mokran coast, as well as U.S. Air Force aircraft uh, that we bring up from out, of, from out of Afghanistan. Everything ranging from F-15s to AC-130 gunships. And as you know, the AC-130 gunship has a very highly capable targeting system. And it's also a very visible platform. And we know, we know from long experience that visible demonstration of these kinds of ISR tends to dissuade the attacker because they, they know that if we can see them do it, we're going to strike them immediately. So we'll be prepared to do that should it become necessary to, to defend the base. We're looking very hard. We assess we are in a period of heightened warning right now. 
and we're working through that as, uh, as aggressively as we can. Over. Uh, Gordon. Yeah, General uh, Gordon Wolf on the Wall Street Journal. Uh, can you tell us if you think that your recommendation for staying potentially after August 31st would change because of this threat stream? Uh, or are you concerned about the threat stream? Um, and also, you know, the, the U.S. military and the Taliban have been coordinating very closely uh, on various things. Do you still trust the Taliban, and is it possible that they let this happen? So as to whether or not they let it happen, I don't know. I don't think there's anything to anything to convince me that they let it happen. As to whether or not I trust them, that's a that's not necessarily a, that's a word I use very carefully. You've heard me say before, it's not what they say, it's what they do. They have a practical reason for wanting us to get out of here by the 31st of August. And that's that they want to reclaim, they want to reclaim the airfield. Uh, we, we want to get out by that day too, if it's going to be possible to do so. So we share a common purpose. To the, as, as long as we've kept that common pur purpose uh, aligned, they've been they've been uh, useful to work with. They've cut some of our security some of our security concerns down, and they've been useful to work with going forward. Now, long term, I don't know what that's going to be. I will tell you this: anytime you build a non-combatant evacuation plan like this, and you bring in forces, you expect to be attacked. So we expect we we didn't we we thought this would happen sooner or later. It's tragic that it happened today. It's tragic there was this much loss of life. We are prepared to continue the mission. I've had an op a great opportunity to have dialogue with my chain of command on it, and I'm not going to be able to share with you what my advice has been, as as you know and understand, Gordon. But I think we can continue to conduct our mission even while uh, we're receiving attacks like this. Over. Eric, General Eric Schmidt with the New York Times. Even before today's attack. Uh, you were just four days or so from us, from, from leaving. Uh, how soon will you have to start diminishing the evacuation flights, if indeed those can continue, uh, to make space and time uh, for the military retrograde, that is the withdrawal of the remaining troops there and their equipment? So, Eric, without getting into specifics, I would tell you that the plan is designed to maximize throughput of evacuees even as we begin to prepare to draw down the force on the ground. So we recognize there's a need to balance the two. So we're not going to get to a point where suddenly we turn off the spigot. It will draw down as we get closer to the end date. It's not useful for me to share that, uh, that date with you right now when we will begin to draw down those flights. But, uh, but we will do it at some point. At the same time, I want to emphasize again, the plan is designed to maximize uh, pushing people out, even as we re reconfigure the force, continue to defend ourselves, you are listening live here on the Guy Benson Show to a briefing at the Pentagon. General Kenneth McKenzie Jr., the commander of U.S. Central Command, explaining some of the details of what happened earlier today. A series of explosions, suicide bombers, and also a gunfight near the airport in Kabul, Afghanistan, leaving at least 12 U.S. service members dead, dozens of others, many others wounded as well. What this means for evacuations what this means for the people who are still stranded in Afghanistan, including hundreds, if not thousands, of Americans, is unclear. The deadline remains intact. They've made that very obvious today and in this briefing. What we're going to do is briefly step aside here on the Guy Benson Show. We will monitor what the general is saying at the Pentagon. And if they are still going on the other side of the break, we will bring you up to speed and dip back live into the briefing on an extremely dark day for the United States of America. It's The Guy Benson Show. Stay tuned. The Guy Benson Show. More next. 
Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. I'm Guy Benson. We're back on The Guy Benson Show. On a devastating day, 12 Americans have been killed. At least 12 U.S. service members by terrorists in a pair of attacks earlier today. The Pentagon briefing has just ended. All of the questions were fielded by General Kenneth McKenzie of U.S. Central Command. We have not heard from civilian leadership at all in the United States today. As a very tenuous and at times deadly situation at the airport in Kabul has gotten far worse. Two of the things that stand out to me listening to that press conference, number one, the U.S. military saying that they anticipate additional attacks. And they are very vigilant and concerned about more attempts on U.S. lives and, of course, Afghan lives as well. They said that the U.S. military has been sharing intelligence with the Taliban. We are counting on the Taliban for our security in some very important ways. The general was asked, can we trust the Taliban? Could they have let this happen? And he said he did not know. And he said, trust is a complicated thing. He said that if we find out specifically who carried out the attacks that killed our people, we'll go after them. But that was rather vague. He said the Taliban right now has shared interest with us, which is why through their actions they really have no choice but to actively collaborate with the Taliban with this attack today or the series of attacks being blamed on, perhaps rightfully so, on a splinter group called ISIS-K, an offshoot of ISIS, apparently operating openly in Kabul. Al-Qaeda is there as well. There are still thousands of Americans and U.S. allies in grave danger in Kabul with the deadline approaching. What comes next? We don't know. He commended the men and women who are serving bravely over there, and I, of course... Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my (laughs) name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Echo that sentiment. And we pray that any forthcoming planned attacks will fail, but those prayers are needed right now. With 12 Americans so far killed. It's the Guy Benson Show. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. It's the Guy Benson Show. We are back. Fox News alert as we continue. If you are just joining us, 12 U.S. service members have been killed in Kabul in a pair of terrorist attacks earlier. There are dozens of others dead, reportedly, and dozens more wounded, including at least 15 Americans. We just heard from the Pentagon and a top U.S. commander who says that they expect more attacks or attempted attacks. He said there was some failure here. He doesn't know where the failure occurred in the chain. But he said there is not reason to believe at this time that the Taliban let this happen. We are learning that we have been collaborating very closely with the Taliban. And to some extent, sharing intelligence with the Taliban, which is breathtaking, actually. If you think about who they are, what they've done, what they are actively doing right now. And Politico is out with a new scoop that I can scarcely believe. But Politico is reporting that U.S. officials gave the Taliban a list of names of U.S. citizens, green card holders, and Afghan allies to grant entry into the outer perimeter of the city's airport, prompting outrage behind the scenes from lawmakers and military officials. So Politico is saying that our government gave a list, a hit list basically, directly to the Taliban, who we are relying on completely, it seems, to let certain people into the airport. Of course, that has not happened in the case of thousands of people desperate to get in. And if and when our military forces are completely out in a matter of days, the Taliban or God knows who else, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, will, if this is true, have access to a roster of people to go out to try to find and kill. Joining me now is Congressman Michael Waltz, Republican of Florida. He's a combat-decorated Green Beret and a former policy advisor at the White House and at the Pentagon. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Yeah, good to be with you, Guy. It's, um, it's, it's just a, a horrible day for, for, for this country. I'm, I'm somewhere between uh, grief and rage at any given moment. Can you first respond, and then I don't want to blindside you here, but I think you heard what I was just reading from Politico, this just coming across that U.S. officials gave the Taliban a list of names of American citizens, green card holders, and Afghan allies, sort of like a, like an entry list into the airport. And, I mean, it does not take much of an imagination to think about how that list could be used in horrific ways against the people who are on that list. Your yeah. initial reaction as we are uh, just learning this based on the Politico report well, this, this, so kind of big to small here, this has been the approach now, the flawed and disastrous approach for far too long, that we can deal with and work with the Taliban, uh, but, you know, the corrupt uh, and, and, and fractured Afghan government wasn't our true partners. 
uh, right? Uh, and, and that's why we are where we are, uh, because we abandon our real allies and think we can trust these terrorist thugs. And let me tell you, Guy, I've sat across from them on many of occasions. I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. Uh, they will tell you anything they want to hear. They, they think you want to hear. They understand strength, and they understand leverage, and they understand bullets. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the fact that the, the commander of Central Command just admitted that he's sharing intelligence with the Taliban on the hopes that they'll take care of ISIS is outrageous. And we have 12 dead Marines and counting because we're counting on terrorists to screen terrorists. I'm sort of at a loss, Congressman, just listening to what you just said, reading through some of the quotes in this story from Politico. Basically, they just put all those Afghans on a kill list, one defense official said. It's just appalling and shocking and makes you feel unclean. Someone would have had to have made that decision. And now here we have, as you mentioned, 12 service members dead, dozens of others dead. You are calling, I've seen some of your tweets throughout the afternoon, you are calling on action from the White House, from President Biden. We are now getting an indication that we will hear from President Biden at some point today, perhaps around 5 o'clock Eastern time. That's the initial report here. You are demanding action from this president and his administration. What would you advise them to do? And then there's a separate question can get to of what they are likely to do well what 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 i would do what i would you know my best military advice and what he absolutely should do to reverse this disaster uh because where he has us now guy is uh they started the evacuation way too late we've been demanding it in congress since april they didn't even set up the task force till june so we now have a decision do we stay to get all of our uh, citizens out and continue to take these hits, or do we go and leave Americans behind, which is unacceptable and un-American? You, we need to we need to get out of Kabul airport. That is, it's indefensible. No matter how far we push out the perimeter, it's surrounded by Taliban. Retake Bagram. It's about 30 kilometers to the north. Uh, it's not very far, but it is more remote. It's not in the middle of a city, and it's defendable with two large runways. You send a message to the Taliban in no uncertain terms. We are getting every American out. If you get in our way, we'll kill you. That's what they understand. Uh, and you authorize our special forces, which are there and ready to go. I'm talking to them. Right now they have their hands tied. You authorize our special forces to start going and getting Americans, period. The mission is done when the Americans are out, not on this made-up deadline out of Biden's head. And then the final piece is we do have to take care of our allies. Promises made, promises kept. Get out as many as we can. But there are also sanctuaries to the north uh, that have not fallen to the Taliban uh, in the Panjshir Valley. I've talked to the leaders of this uh, resistance as, as early as this morning, uh, and they are ready to create a sanctuary and begin accepting journalists, women, those of us who work with us, and they're ready to continue this fight. Uh, you know, guy, this notion of uh, we too hard, too long, too expensive, 20 years, well, guess what? Al-Qaeda will come roaring back. What happens in Afghanistan doesn't stay in Afghanistan, spreads like a cancer. Biden's own intelligence community is telling us they intend to hit us again. And if this White House won't lead, 
then we in Congress will. I'm not going to wait for another Pulse nightclub or San Bernardino or, God forbid, another 9-11 to take action. Congressman Michael Waltz is my guest, a decorated combat veteran, a member of the House of Representatives from Florida. And, Congressman, just on the Bagram piece that you just mentioned of what you would ask the White House to do, is that even attainable right now? I mean, I think that the likelihood of Biden doing any of those things is very low. Just being perfectly honest, I yeah, think if anything, he's going to say exactly. this proves this proves that we have to get out even sooner. And I think there are some Americans who would agree with that, saying, you know, we can't let any more of our service members die for this. Of course, that that leaves an open question: What happens to the Americans stranded and the American allies stranded? Apparently with terrorist groups, with lists of them that we provided to them on the ground, which is another nightmare of this. I think that there seems to be pretty broad agreement that Bagram should never have been surrendered the way that it was when it was. They did that completely backwards. You're saying we should go retake it. Is that even logistically feasible at the moment, given our footprint on the ground? Sorry, not to interrupt. It is. We were briefed, uh, a number of us uh, on the Armed Services Committee asked that very question. That contingency is on the table. It is attainable. Uh, And it has to be because we have to get out of this false, no-win choice of leaving Americans behind or sitting in an indefensible position and losing more Marines uh, and soldiers. So uh, (laughs) it, it is absolutely doable by the Defense Department. They made that clear as to us as recently as yesterday. Biden just has to have the will and the guts as a commander in chief to start making tough decisions. Uh, And in terms of losing any more American soldiers, I guarantee you every single one of those soldiers would give their life to save a fellow American citizen, to save a civilian that's trapped behind enemy lines. That's what we sign up for. That's what we do. We defend our country. And whether those are citizens overseas Maybe they should have gotten out. Maybe they should have left earlier. But we are where we are, and I know they will go get them tonight. I know our special operators are waiting on the green light. Uh, All of this rests in the White House, in this feckless and weak commander-in-chief that we have right now. You know, you mentioned we're starting to hear, even from members of the administration, there was a diplomat who went on TV yesterday and said, well, some people should have gotten out sooner. There were warnings. That's their business. You had the president just a few weeks ago saying the country's not going to fall to the Taliban. You have the secretary of state saying we're going to have a robust diplomatic presence. We're going to have an embassy there. I mean, so perhaps if people decide to stay, their mistake was trusting the government of the United States. And on that front, Congressman, We have made promises collectively as a nation to an awful lot of people. And the president himself, and I made this point yesterday, said in June, he reiterated it just last week, asked explicitly, he said, yes, we will get every American out and we will get all of our allies who helped us out. And everything that I'm hearing, and it seems to be just broadly accepted now, is that that will not happen on either front that we will not get every American out and we will not get all of our Afghan allies out should we stick to this timeline, which it seems like we are going to. Is that your understanding as well, based on your sources and your intelligence? That's right. No, that, that's right. Uh, we, are, we are taking casualties 
And we're not going to get all Americans out, nor are we going to get all of our Afghan allies out. It is the worst of all worlds. Uh, the, and this yet, level of in, this level of incompetence is, is infuriating. Yet the happy talk that we keep hearing from the White House and Jen Psaki and Kirby, not even happy talk. This just kind of blithe apathy. Um, I, I just don't know if it's heartless or clueless or spin or all of the above. Uh, but well, it, it, it earlier this week, Congressman, yeah. earlier this week, the White House press secretary who speaks for the president, speaks for the White House, she said there are no Americans stranded in Afghanistan because we're going to get them. She was sort of p- trying to parse the meaning of the word stranded. It now looks like there will be Americans stranded and abandoned in Afghanistan. Uh, and they were very indignant about the use of that word stranded. Then the next day, she said because of the breadth of the airlift that's happening you can't call anything you can't call this airlift or this operation anything other than a success that is something else that the white house said and now we will hear from the president it looks like around 5 p.m eastern time today one of the arguments that is being made by him and on his behalf and to his by his defenders is look war is messy we've been there for 20 years We have nothing to show for it. We have Americans now getting blown up by suicide bombers. We've got to get out of there. And quite frankly, for all these critics and people like me and people like you, they can talk and they can complain and they can make political hay out of this. But the fact is, it was always going to be something like this. And we really couldn't do better. Congressman, could the United States have done better than this? Guys, we this is so unavoid. This was so avoidable and unnecessary. Uh, set aside the should you know should we be there for a long term presence or not? Uh, once we saw that the intelligence, uh, in terms of the timeline, uh, the Afghan army uh, and uh, and and other estimates were wrong or were off, uh, and the cities were falling, we shouldn't have given up Bagram. We should have called in our airstrikes to blunt the momentum, uh, and, and we and we didn't have to yank the rug out from the Afghan army like we did and when we did. Uh, you know, we took away their maintenance support, their logistics support, their intelligence support, and their air support uh, all at once. Uh, so there, before there our people were out, we, like we, we did. It, it's like if you could have. If this is what I'm trying to understand. Yeah, but the, but the biggest flaw is that we keep you know, mother may eyeing the Taliban. The more you ask and plead, the more it emboldens them. Uh, and, and that psychology, this team around Biden, which was the same team around Obama with Benghazi and Bergdahl and Iraq that led to ISIS and the Iran deal, is something they just fundamentally do not get because none of them have ever had to go eye to eye with a terrorist uh, downrange. And, Congressman, just to put a finer point on that, it seems like there was a whole checklist of things that you would do in an evacuation, a large-scale withdrawal, and you would do them along a certain timeline. And it just feels like they took the timeline and the different checklist items and put them into a bag and shook it up and then just put them on the table in a completely irrational 
sequence. Yeah. They said this is how we're going to do it. It, it is mystifying. It's completely confounding. And, Congressman, before we let you go, uh, the Los Angeles Times has a correspondent on the ground in Kabul. He just tweeted moments ago that he felt the shockwave of a very large explosion. The entire house where he is shook. So that could be an indication, and these are unconfirmed reports for now, that there are attacks ongoing. Uh, carried out by whom, against whom, we don't know. But, Congressman, very quickly, your last word as this situation apparently grows more dire and deteriorates. We were briefed uh, just yesterday about a series of threat streams that were growing exponentially, uh, primarily from ISIS. Uh, this is why, uh, again, you know, as I tweeted out, this president has to take decisive action now. It's an indefensible position. We have to take, retake Bagram. The military is ready to do it and then send in our special forces to get Americans out and let the Taliban know this is our terms, what we're going to do. This is the United States of America, the most powerful army in the world. Well, that would require a 180 from the president of the United States. That's and right. I would not bet on it, but we will, we will hear from him. Congressman, we're up on a break, but we will hear from our president. In just over an hour, he's scheduled for 5 p.m. Eastern time. We will carry that here on The Guy Benson Show. Congressman Michael Waltz of Florida, our guest, and we'll be right back. Fresh conservative talk, Guy Benson Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It's the Guy Benson Show. It is just pouring down rain and thundering here in the Washington, D.C. area, and perhaps that feels appropriate on this dark day for the United States in Afghanistan. Twelve American troops are dead. Eleven Marines and one Navy operator. There are dozens of wounded people on the ground and dozens of others killed as well, Afghans. There are widespread reports now of at least one other massive explosion in Kabul just minutes ago. So... What that's about, we do not know yet. But an extremely dangerous situation is growing more so by the hour, with the clock ticking and a lot of stranded people, including Americans in that country. The President of the United States will speak around 5 p.m. Eastern. We will bring that to you live as it unfolds here on The Guy Benson Show. Much more reaction and analysis coming up. You don't want to go anywhere. Stay with us. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Kai Benson Show. A new hour on the Guy Benson Show on this Thursday. Our website, GuyBensonShow.com. The podcast is always free. Fox News alert as we begin our middle hour. There's a lot to bring you up to speed on. Twelve American service members have been killed in Afghanistan 
at or near the airport in Kabul. That happened hours ago in a series of terrorist attacks attributed to ISIS. There are 15 more American service members wounded, according to the Pentagon. Dozens of others have been killed and wounded as well. The President of the United States is scheduled to speak within the hour. He is supposed to come out and address the nation at 5 p.m. His press secretary, Jen Psaki, will brief the press around 545. It is unclear whether or not the president will take questions about any of this. Joining me now is Josh Krasauer, politics editor at National Journal, a Fox News radio political analyst. And Josh, uh, we had a congressman on in the last hour and a veteran in Michael Waltz. We have another scheduled for the next hour. We have another veteran scheduled later this hour. You and I are just media folks. We cover this stuff. We cover politics in particular. I don't want to get overly political here, given the magnitude of what's happening and the extremely grief-filled situation in Kabul, and there are now 12 families that are going to get that horrible knock on the door, that horrible phone call. But there, of course, are implications here politically and geopolitically as well. Before I ask any specific questions, as you watch these events unfold, what are your reactions today? Well, look, uh, it's a heartbreaking day for the country to to lose 12 servicemen saving the lives of, of Afghans and the mission of, of, of evacuating these Afghans that are at risk uh, and then to lose their own lives. It's just, just, just tragic and just, uh, you know, frankly, uh, you know, unnecessary. It, it just, this is a real tragedy. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder, I, you know, the poli- forget about the politics for a moment. It, there's going to be a lot of attention paid to the judgment of, of, of the administration, the decisions being made. Um, you know, as, as an observer, as someone who's been watching this from afar, I've been struck that it seems like Biden and, and his top officials, the ammo going into the whole mission is to withdraw, was, was to withdraw our military, was to evacuate, was to work deals with the Taliban at all costs. Because he didn't, he didn't want to see a single, you know, he didn't want to risk expanding the perimeter, didn't want to keep Bagram Air Base open, didn't want to risk any military uh, uh, personnel from being wounded or, or killed, didn't want to take any risk to help expand the mission, to help save more Afghans and to help our counterterrorism efforts. And look at the cost today. Um, I think, I mean, I talk, I've talked to folks at the White House, people close to the White House, and they've told me that Biden just was so risk-averse, didn't want to have any, didn't want to expand the mission at all, wanted to get troops out of there as quickly as possible, that he kind of lost the, the forest for the trees, so to speak, a lot lost sense of the, the big picture um, and the mission that well, while we were there in the first place. And um, the real, real tragedy with, with what happened today, I think, is a consequence of some of these decisions being made. Um, you know, politically, that that's going to shake itself out. I, I can tell you that even before today, Democrats, uh, especially a lot of those with national security experience, were starting to criticize how this White House was handling Afghanistan, handling the withdrawal. Uh, I thought it was pretty striking that you had those two congressmen, one Republican, one Democrat, Seth Moulton and Peter Mayer, who went to Afghanistan, got a lot of grief from, from their colleagues and the leadership back home. But uh, they, were, they, they were struck at how bad the situation was, that they came in thinking we should extend the evacuation and saw, thought, saw the security deteriorating so badly that they actually thought it made sense to get as many troops out of there as, as quickly as possible. So that tells you a lot about, about the uh, lack of preparation, the lack of competence uh, in, in this whole withdrawal effort and from, from the administration. That, 
only raises more questions about a promise that has been made repeatedly, not just from America collectively, but from this president specifically. He has said on multiple occasions that we will get every American out and every American ally out. And it seems as though the consensus now is that is not going to happen, not even close. And I want to come back to that in a moment, Josh. But as we await the president, he's scheduled to speak at 5 o'clock Eastern time. We had Congressman Waltz on in the last hour saying what he hopes the president will say and do. He gave us his analysis. My guess is we will see almost the opposite from President Biden. What do you think we will hear from the president at 5 o'clock? And does he consider giving a statement and walking away with no questions again? Well, the fact that Jen Psaki is doing a briefing 45 minutes later suggests that he's probably not planning to take questions. So you, usually you don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but that, that seems to indicate that this may just be a speech and then he'll get he'll leave as quickly as possible. We'll see. Um, I, you know, I don't, I, it, this is difficult. It is a very difficult speech, a difficult day for the president, um, because like you noted, Guy, a lot of these promises, a lot of these talking points that the White House has been relying on the last week are now totally inoperative. You know, no, no, no American soldiers killed. Well, obviously, that's not the case. We're going to rescue every American that wants to get out. Well, I don't know how you do that now. It's a lot more difficult and a lot more risky uh, than, than it was yesterday. Um, you know, al-Qaeda doesn't have a presence in uh, Afghanistan. We know this is the ISIS offshoot in Afghanistan that seems to be responsible for this attack. But the whole security situation has deteriorated to the point where um, it, I don't think just our mission is, is not just at risk, but we're going to have to be facing some longer-term consequences about our own security and, and on the homeland because you have these terrorist groups that are going to be metastasizing now that they have a space to work with and a, and a, and a Taliban that seems willing to house some of these, these, these extreme terrorist organizations. So, um, yeah, he's going to have to be straight up with it. There has to be credibility. The, the, the White House lost a whole lot of credibility throughout the last couple of weeks. They were not be, the president himself was not honest with the American people. And uh, this speech is only going to be successful if he can be candid and honest and, 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 and uh, stop spinning, but start speaking in, in, in the realities of the, of the day. We heard during the Pentagon briefing from the chief of U.S. command, Central Command, saying that the U.S. military will go after those who carried out the attack today if we find out who they are. You have to just ask, is that actually going to happen? Because it seems like we are getting out of there as quickly as we possibly can. It's Thursday. We have to be out by Tuesday. The deadline appears to be set in stone as determined by the Taliban and agreed to by our president. If they're saying that, yeah, we're going to go and hunt these people down and we're going to we're going to you know, take some people out because the White House has also said if there's any harm done to any Americans, the response will be swift. It will be devastating. Right? They've said all of those things. Well, now we have 12 dead American service members. And when we say we're going to go and take out those who are responsible or bring justice to those who are responsible, you actually have to have a plan and the capacity to do it. And when we have more people leaving and the military apparently – some of them evacuating literally now. The withdrawal is, is underway. I mean, perhaps it's possible, but am I right to be skeptical about words matching actions yet again? You are right to be skeptical because of, there's been a lot of credibility issues from, from the president on down throughout this whole process. Um, one thing that's, that I've been struck by is just how dependent we've been on the Taliban 
which was a few weeks ago, our sworn enemy. We were, we were literally killing Taliban terrorists, and now we're dependent on them. And we're actually, there was a story in Politico that just broke a couple hours ago yep. uh, reporting that we actually gave the Taliban the names of vulnerable Afghan citizens. Of yeah, American let me actually read from that, Josh, because I, I referenced it as it broke in the last hour. Let me just bring that to the audience and, and get you to react further. Headline from Politico, this was published less than an hour ago. U.S. officials provided Taliban with names of Americans and Afghan allies to evacuate. That's the headline, an exclusive from Politico. U.S. officials in Kabul gave the Taliban a list of names of American citizens, green card holders, and Afghan allies to grant entry into the militant-controlled outer perimeter of the city's airport, a choice that has prompted outrage behind the scenes from lawmakers and military officials. The move detailed to Politico by three U.S. and congressional officials was designed to expedite the evacuation of tens of thousands of people from Afghanistan as chaos erupted in the capital city last week after the Taliban seized control of the country. It also came as the Biden administration has been relying on the Taliban for security outside the airport. But the decision to provide specific names to the Taliban, which has a history of brutally murdering Afghans who collaborated with the United States and other coalition forces during the conflict, has angered lawmakers and military officials. Quote, basically, they just put all these Afghans on a kill list, said one defense official, who, like others, spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss a sensitive topic. Quote, it's just appalling and shocking and makes you feel unclean. A spokesperson for U.S. Central Command declined to comment. Josh, there are some words that I cannot say because I would lose my job on the radio. But I cannot believe that someone inside the United States government at any level would say, here's an idea to speed up the evacuations in this disaster that we've caused through bad planning, let's create a guest list of Americans and our allies, and let's give that list to the people who we know are going door-to-door and murdering the types of people who would be on this list. I I cannot fathom that that idea would be articulated out loud, let alone approved, and made the policy of the United States of America. I mean, I know there are some people still trying to argue with a straight face that every contingency was planned for, and and the airlift is sort of a historic success, and and the U.S. really couldn't have done better, and you're always going to break a few eggs. I know that there are some hacks, frankly, on this issue who are saying those things. This story, I thought my capacity for being shocked was at least significantly diminished about Afghanistan and the Biden administration's posture there. This might be the single most shocking thing that I have read to date. I'm speechless. I mean, if this reporting, and it seems pretty well sourced, is accurate. Uh, It's remarkable how dependent, like I said, how dependent we are on the Taliban which until a few weeks ago was our sworn enemy, a terrorist organization, that we're now coordinating to give them names that could be used to kill some of our closest allies if people are trying to evacuate the country. I mean, not only—I'm sorry, this is just—go ahead. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, it goes to show that this is not – usually you want to you complete the mission. That's the timetable. You complete the mission, and you don't, you don't set artificial deadlines. You get the mission done. That's usually sound foreign policy, sound national security. I think you hinted at this guy. It seems like they were so insistent on having a – living up to this August 31st deadline that they were – scrambling to figure out any way possible to do the impossible, which they cost, right? Getting at least, you know, 500, maybe more Americans and, and, and green card holders into the airport. And they said maybe the only way they can do it, the only logical way they can do it is give the names to the Taliban. That's it's how insane. desperate they were. It is insane. It, it, it is absurd. And um, look, this story isn't going away. I mean, look, the tragedy is only beginning. Um, uh, and the ramifications of some of these decisions that were made under under this artificial deadline that we created, and, and what's I mean, we, there's going to be a lot of discussion over the withdrawal in the first place. Why, why we we thought it was smart policy to hand over a country uh, that we were, you know, stable. Yeah, but even Josh, even if even if you fully agree with the decision, tough decision. Trump campaigned on it. He moved the ball forward in major ways on this. Biden continued that progress. Whether you think it's right or wrong, if, you know, agree or disagree, the decision was made to get out of Afghanistan to pretend on any level that what is happening now was inevitable, that we couldn't have planned any of this better, significantly better, is absolutely insulting. And for the president president to say days ago, to reiterate a promise to Americans in that country and to our allies who've helped us for 20 years, a promise that we will get them out of there. And then it turns out for many of them that will not be true. And now it seems that we actually gave a hit list of their names to the people most likely to kill them. Like, it, it's a betrayal on a scale that I, I... I want to believe this story is false. It is so... It is so horrible, and it is well, so mind-blowing. Last word to you, Josh. Yeah, it, it, these last couple of weeks have indicated that the White House doesn't fully appreciate, didn't at least initially appreciate the seriousness, of, the moral seriousness of, of what it was undertaking. Uh, the fact that you had Biden giving a speech where he talked about his in, infrastructure plan to lead with uh, in the middle of this crisis just shows that there's, there's almost a need to spin, spin this away. So let's talk about anything else that's more politically favorable. Let's, let's have the chief of staff retweet favorable comments from, from pundits rather than actually doing the job of coordinating and organizing and getting the job done without any, any casualties, without any crises taking place. Um, there, there was a lack of seriousness, especially when they have to get White House staff on vacation. I don't think they really appreciated uh, what they what they were kind of causing with 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 with, with the policies that they, they pursued, and um, that lack of seriousness and the, the the focus on spin over success, I think, is really driving a lot of the problems going on with this. Well, I mean, and it's resulting in death, it's resulting in chaos, it's resulting in betrayal, it's resulting in a massive hit to U.S. credibility and prestige, it's resulting in fury from our allies, it's resulting in an orgy of jihadist activity now back in Afghanistan with a bunch of our people still stranded. That's what that has brought us. From the team that was supposed to be smart power, steady hand, restoring norms, competency, look at what we've got. Josh Krausauer, our guest here on The Guy Benson Show, politics editor at National Journal. Josh, an, an awful day with at least American, at least 12 Americans killed. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Guy. We will take a quick break and be right back. A fresh take on the biggest stories of the day. It's Guy Benson. 
Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. I'm Guy Benson. We are back on The Guy Benson Show. There have been a few different sources now that I've been seeing on social media, news outlets reporting that the additional explosions in Kabul have been controlled explosions, controlled demolitions by the U.S. military, destroying presumably our own equipment. So much of it has already fallen into the hands of terrorists. I guess reports out of Kabul are that we are destroying some of our own equipment right now so that we don't provide even more of an arsenal to the terrorists. In the meantime, this from our colleague Brett Bayer. According to Defense Department data, today is the deadliest day for U.S. troops in Afghanistan since an August helicopter attack in 2011. This is the deadliest attack against U.S. forces in Afghanistan in more than a decade. I will remind you, as we put this withdrawal into perspective and we think about the decisions behind the withdrawal, the way it's being carried out, the planning or lack thereof, until today, there had not been a combat death of an American in a year and a half, February 2020, in all of Afghanistan. Today, at least 12. Meanwhile, I see the Republican National Committee tweeting out video Nancy Pelosi the Speaker of the House she is at a Women's Equality Day event in San Francisco having a great time it seems laughing and joking that's an interesting optics decision from one of the most powerful Democrats in Washington with this as a backdrop Johnny Joey Jones with me next Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. We're back on the Guy Benson Show. Thank you for listening. Joining me now is Joey Jones. A retired Marine, a Fox News contributor, host of the podcast, Proud American. Joe, it's good to have you back. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I am, like you, a proud American. I will always be proud of this country. I will say that the images that we are watching, the reports that we are seeing, the profound likelihood that many, many people, including Americans, and people that we made a blood oath to, will be left behind in this chaos. I cannot say that I feel an immense sense of pride at the moment. I feel a great deal of sadness and shame, honestly. And I'm reading your Twitter feed particularly closely this week, and I know that you have very profound feelings about this. You have extra skin in the game here, knowing a lot of people who are stuck right now, or at least in contact with people who are stuck in Afghanistan, as you are involved in your efforts to try to get people out, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? 
Well, <laughs> we're, it's in dire straits right now. A lot of people have resigned to, to believe they're not going to be able to get out, at least not during this time. I don't know if they keep hope that we'll go in and get them after we've pulled all of our forces out. This over-the-horizon kind of myth, I, I think, is, is a hope for some people. But, I mean, just to give you an idea, case in point, I was speaking with a guy last night and then again this morning. Um, his interpreter from 2015 came here, became a U.S. citizen, went back a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, got married to his, his traditional marriage. She's an Afghan citizen. They got married. She's nine months pregnant now. He's back here. They've been trying for three or four months to get her U.S. citizenship through the SIV process. And what people aren't understanding is that our embassy, I believe, was closed due to COVID. Our, the headlines three weeks ago were a lot of veterans complaining that the government wasn't processing these people before this happened. And I think that's a point that this nobody's talking about. But to wrap up this story, this man's wife was standing essentially where the bomb went off this morning at 6 a.m., and it just happened to be that my friend who served with this interpreter, his brother is a Marine at Kabul, and he finally just said whatever, and he went out and got her without permission and brought her in, and a few hours later, there's a bomb there. And that's kind of where, that, that's where we are now. We have service members doing the right thing, essentially against lawful orders, because that's what they know to do, and their brother served with this person, or they served with this person, and now they're there guarding that, that airport. And that's the kind of dire situation where people are having to choose between what they could be in trouble over or saving someone's life. And our service members should never be put in that position. You tweeted this, cowards kill innocent people and coward leaders give them the opportunity. National disgrace, global tragedy. Obviously, that is a very powerful series of sentiments there. If you want to just expand on what led you to tweet that? Yeah, we call that a direct shot over the bow, right? Like I'm essentially saying that Joe Biden's cowardice is allowing this to happen. And listen, I'm not on the name calling train. I think you know that about me. It, it, yes. That's not what it's about to me. I don't know that 12 Democrats wouldn't have done this better. And I can't tell you that Trump wouldn't have done it worse. I, I just can't make those promises. So it's not partisan. But today, Joe Biden's president. And today, four of my brothers were killed. And I don't think they, they should have been. And you know what? Here's the deal. I'm a, I'm a Marine. If I'm going to die, let it be saving somebody's life, not guarding an airport while I know people are out there desperate for me to come get them. Right. That's that's the dishonor part of this. That's the give us the dignity of quitting with honor part of this. This is a cowardice move, because I guarantee you in the White House right now, it's still the, the, the intent is still we, we need to get out of there and run for this as soon as we can before anyone else gets killed. If not, let's figure out what we need to do there combat wise to get our people out of there. And that's just that's an absolute disgrace. I'm just letting these words sink in because I obviously know that you're right, but I don't want to believe that that's true. And yet, when you hear the State Department say, and the Secretary of State yesterday made this point, we're going to continue our efforts to get people out of Afghanistan after August 31st. And then the Pentagon says, well, we're not going to be actively participating in that, meaning it won't be our service members running those missions, again, the disconnect with the promises being made and still being held out for people versus the reality, it just seems to be compounding the betrayal here, right? Or am I, am I too cynical about this? 
We own two things. We own the air and we own the night. And the only thing that has ever threatened those two things is the weapons and capabilities that we allowed our enemy to obtain from us in bad planning and execution. But we still own the air and we still own the night. And this arbitrary deadline for the purposes of political promises, Kip, is going is to send this man's political career into the drain, which is the irony here. But secondly, it shouldn't be what limits us from doing the right thing and doing it in the safest way. We should use the air and use the night. We should have done this a week ago. Take three or four high-value targets, bring in however many more troops is necessary to expand the cordon, go out, bomb three or four things, so the Taliban understands where we're coming from. And those things being maybe stockpiles that we left there that they've taken over, maybe even our own, own embassy or the presidential palace. I, I don't know because I'm not on the ground and that's not my job. But you get their attention, you expand your court, and you do it at the exact same time. And you just tell them, matter, matter of fact, so you're going to get a country out of this. We've decided that. Do you want to die doing it or do you want to walk into empty halls after we're gone? That's your choice. That's not a hard strategy. And, like, I'm not a, I'm not, I didn't go to the war college, but I happen to have went to war and have an education on it. And, and that's not a hard strategy to start with and then figure out the details from there. And it just seems like the reluctance to even look at that tells me this is so much more political than strategic or even tactical that it puts every single service member in America there in jeopardy that they don't need to be in. Joey, yesterday we had Juan Williams here on the show, and I'm not picking on Juan because I know what he said represents what a lot of people believe or are professing to believe, including people in the administration and a lot of their most ardent defenders. They say that the criticism of the execution of this withdrawal is vastly overblown. It's the media's fault for covering this too unfairly. It might be Americans' fault for not leaving sooner and heeding previous warnings. It's actually an amazing airlift and a great achievement. The White House said you can't call this anything other than a success. I mean, we've heard all the spin, and and Juan echoed, and I respect Juan, and, and he's a friend of the show, but he echoed a lot of those talking points yesterday, essentially saying no matter what the United States did, it was always going to be basically like this, that we couldn't have done better in executing the withdrawal. You've now glanced on it already in this interview, but if you can explicitly address the argument being made by some people that what we are seeing and what we have watched over the last two weeks and what, unfortunately, we are likely to watch continue over the coming days, that that's the best the United States of America could have done in this task. Well, there's a couple of things here. One, we knew the government wouldn't hold. The government, it wasn't accepted throughout the country. It certainly wasn't accepted in the Pashtun region, uh, where uh, Taliban fighters come over from Pakistan all the time. So we knew the government would fall. To say they didn't know that, timeline wrong, okay, fair enough. Maybe you thought it was going to take six months. What we do know for a fact is that we've been trying to get the people that they've evacuated, not with the true, evacuated. And we can talk about the semantics of those two words. But the people that they have evacuated in this airlift have been trying to get permission to leave Afghanistan for months, if not a year. So if, if you can't point blame on yourself anywhere else, ask yourself why you could not get those people SIV opportunities for the last four or five months, past six months, however long President Biden has, has been there. Like that, That's number one, right? That's just a simple question nobody's asked so far. And if they have, I haven't heard a good answer. 
All right, then you go from there and say, okay, now tactically, what could we have done differently? Well, what we know now today is that whoever made the assessment that bringing people into Kabul through the city and into that airport was a bad decision. All right, so at least fire that person or explain to me why that's the person you listen to. And so we can go down this line all day long and just talk about tactical decisions. The difference here is tactical decisions are in the moment. These are the tactics we use when crap hits the fan. Strategic decisions are this is what we are going to purposely go in and do without a catalyst. This is, this is our strategy for the next nine months, our strategy for the next three months. We can go tactical, we can go strategic, and we can even go political and talk about all the ways that we made bad decisions. And if you're telling me that in the moment those were good decisions, then you better fire every single person that backed that up and presented that to you. And then we'll talk. Joey Jones, you tweeted also today calling on Afghanistan war veterans in the United States to engage in a peaceful protest, a march on Washington, to send a message to the President of the United States. Talk to us about why you're calling for a protest and what that message, or at least the intended message, would be to the Commander-in-Chief right now. We have Americans in Afghanistan. We have troops that are getting killed. Do something. Make decisions that save lives. Don't make decisions that unnecessarily risk lives. That, that's, the, that's the point right now. I don't care. I, I don't care if you made this mess. I don't care if it's Trump's fault. I don't care if we fought this war for 20 years. And I don't care if there's ISIS, al-Qaeda, and everything else there. Make decisions, movements, be swift about it, and get these lives out of this country so that we don't have to read the headlines next week where four Americans have been beheaded or four American troops were killed because we're there another week after the deadline, but we didn't get anything done in that week, and they were sitting on a wall when a bomb went off or a mortar came over it because you're scared to death to have them go outside the wire and do their job. I don't know a Marine on that base that wouldn't rather die saving Americans than sitting on a flight line protecting Joe Biden's political legacy. Do you think that there's any chance that we're going to alter course here? Because there are reports today that if anything, the, what are they calling it, retrograde, the retreat, the withdrawal of our military forces has continued, if not expedited, escalated. A hundred percent. That's what I think. I, I think that, um, I think exactly that. I think what the narrative will be, and, and I may be completely wrong, but I talk about this. I don't get to make the decisions. I think the narrative will be we, we've got to get this done as soon as possible. I, I think that'll be the Honestly, that's what I think. You know, they may use some big spin about how this is the sworn enemy of the Taliban and it's their fight to to have and, and not our fight or what have you. I mean, the Taliban's come out and blamed us. They said, hey, this happened in a place where the U.S. was holding security, which is laughable. Um, and so I, I think that'll be their position because it, they back themselves in the corner and I don't see them fighting back out of it anytime soon. That's why I said maybe we just need to march up there and let them know that's not an acceptable that's not an acceptable answer. And I'm not saying, hey, let's go back to war. I'm not saying let's go find every ISIS-K member that did this today, if that's who did it. I would love for that to be the case, but I know that's not feasible and not what our politicians want to do. But to the very least, let's take care of our people now. Let's go get them now. Let's make the processes work now. You say it's unacceptable. I agree. But I think quite manifestly it is acceptable and being accepted by the administration, if they don't heed what you're saying, if they continue on their path, and by Tuesday, at the latest, all of our forces are out of Afghanistan, 
Last question, Joey. What does that mean for the Americans who are almost certain to have been left behind and for the people who have helped us for 20 years, thousands of whom will be left behind? I mean, I think the only, only uncertainty here, the, I think the biggest surprise is not that the Afghan government fell. I think the biggest surprise for the Biden administration is that they're not being able to blame this on Trump the way they thought they could. That, I mean, that's what I truly believe, is that the, the, the risk assessment was, hey, if this goes bad, we can blame it on Trump and, and people will get behind that. I think the problem here is that when you when he really just kind of adapted Trump's messaging, but did not adapt Trump's plan, and, and I don't know the specifics. Like I said, Trump's plan might have been just as bad, but the, even their messaging reiterated that he adapted Trump's messaging, but not his overall plan. Then you own so much of it, you can't run away from it. And that is the only thing that would be a saving grace, is if they make the political calculated decision that, that responding correctly is the only way to save themselves politically, that would be the only change. I just don't see that happening because it hasn't happened yet. Joey Jones, a retired Marine who was wounded gravely in Afghanistan. He's now a Fox News contributor. We're very proud to have him as a colleague. And he is host of that Fox podcast, Proud American. And we're proud of you and so many of your other brothers and sisters in arms, even if we're not proud of what is happening right now under the policy of the United States of America and our government. Joey, thank you for your insights. God bless you. And we'll have you back soon. Thanks, Rob. We'll take a break. It's the Guy Benson Show. A fresh take on the biggest stories of the day. It's Guy Benson. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It's the Guy Benson Show on this Thursday. We've been following for the entire program the lead story, which is 12 American service members have been killed in Afghanistan today in Kabul. We are expecting to hear from President Biden any minute. He's supposed to speak six minutes from now. We will bring you as much of what he says live as we can. We have a few congressmen lined up in the next hour. We're going to sort of be fluid there and play it by ear, depending on when the president speaks. We are seeing some more confirmation. Jennifer Griffin tweeting out, our colleague at Fox News, that the Taliban is saying, confirming reports apparently, that the explosions that have been heard within the last hour or so have been the U.S. blowing up our own equipment. So these are deliberate, intentional detonations to destroy American equipment. And Matt Zeller from No One Left Behind, who is beside himself these days for obvious reasons as he's trying to get American allies out of that country, he tweets, if that's the case, then we are absolutely leaving and soon. Meanwhile, as we continue to marvel at this story from Politico that apparently we handed a list of Americans and visa holders and green card holders and Afghans, right, many of them Afghans who helped us, we handed that list over to the Taliban. This reported hours ago now, uh, just as we were coming on the air by Politico, one of the details of the story is that administration officials defended this coordination with the Taliban. Quote, they had to do that because of the security situation the White House created by allowing the Taliban to control everything outside the airport. 
So all of the horrible planning led to a takeover of the country and the city by the Taliban. The U.S. and the Biden administration let it happen. And because of that situation, then they felt like they, quote, had to give the Taliban these lists with the hope that they would let people in. And some people were let in, many were not, and now there are lists in the hands of terrorists of Americans and our allies trying to get out of there. The types of people that they've been going around murdering already with our military still on the ground. And just to remind you about the nature of the Taliban, their new security chief in Kabul is one of the most wanted terrorists in the world. The U.S. put a $5 million reward out for his head or for his capture. He is now the security chief for the Taliban in Kabul. A top al-Qaeda operative. Since we coordinate so closely with the Taliban, could we coordinate getting him into custody? That's a facetious question. Maybe a little dark humor on a very dark day. The president speaking any minute will bring it to you on The Guy Benson Show. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for The Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. It's the final hour here on The Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. That's GuyBensonShow.com. The podcast is free every day. And this hour is sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink at TheLongDrink.com. Always drink responsibly. 21 plus only, please. That's TheLongDrink.com. Fox News alert. We are awaiting President Biden. He is scheduled to speak at the White House any minute. He was supposed to start six minutes ago. And we are standing by for the president reacting to 12 U.S. service members being killed in Afghanistan earlier today in a pair of terrorist attacks. Dozens of others also died and are wounded. And the situation at the airport in Kabul, which was already grave, is now stained in more blood, including American blood. We are also learning from Politico this afternoon that reportedly... U.S. officials gave a list of Americans and U.S. allies trying to get into the airport to the Taliban. Which, I don't know if I'll ever get over that, if that's true. And they have multiple sources on that story, no comment from the U.S. government so far. As we wait for the president, let's welcome in Congressman Adam Kinzinger, a Republican from Illinois, a military veteran himself, and Congressman, it's good to have you back. Hey, thanks. Good to be with you. I appreciate it. Well, we don't know what the president's going to say in a few minutes. I have a few guesses as to what he might say, but what do you hope to hear from the president, Congressman, and what do you expect we will hear? Well, I don't know what I expect to hear because he's he's obviously you know extremely determined to get out despite anything that's put in front of us. I hope to hear him say that there is certainly going to be, uh, I guess, payback for ISIS 
and anybody associated with them that was involved in this, and not just for payback's sake, for the fact that, you know, this uh, so-called endless war that we thought we were ending has obviously, you know, realized that uh, it takes two to tango if you end a war, and uh, and this war continues. And, and so I hope to hear a determination to say we recognize and understand that this is an ongoing threat. Obviously, we, we salute these 12 people that gave their lives in this attack, and, uh, and we're going to make sure that that was not in vain. But we'll, we'll see. It could be another, you know, we're going to leave August 31st, and the Taliban have been really great partners, which is just so sad to hear that, you know, we have been cooperating with them. Well, and there was an indication earlier during the Pentagon press conference that we've been sharing intelligence with the Taliban. And then I yeah. mentioned at the top this Politico story about handing lists of vulnerable people to the Taliban. It, it, it almost reads like terrible, cartoonish fiction, Congressman, but it seems like it's been one heinously terrible mistake after another throughout this entire process. Even if you agree with the idea of getting out of Afghanistan, I cannot fathom how anyone can defend the way it's been handled anymore. I can't either. You know, on the one hand, saying, okay, we need to have an uneasy alliance with the Taliban as we withdraw, you know, that's defendable. Although I will say that I think we could have had a much better relationship with the Taliban if we'd have made it clear that we're simply staying until we get all our folks out. They wouldn't have challenged us. Keep in mind, there was a point at which the Taliban was outside of Kabul. We actually believed, we being the government, um, believed that they were going to sit out there for a month or so during a siege. Why didn't we have the military there defending Kabul so that we could continue these withdrawals, we could continue these evacuations without having to rely on the Taliban, and then the sharing of lists? Or, or, starting, or starting that process far earlier before they were just outside Kabul. I mean, there Absolutely. were so many better options available than this, and yet we have this. Yeah, yeah, and keep in mind when we shut down Bagram Air Base, right, that was obviously the last thing we should have shut down. We shut it down early without even telling the Afghan National Army, and then we dare blame the Afghan National Army for having melted away. But look, we knew we were doing very limited strikes on the Taliban as they were advancing, but we were having to use B-52s that were traveling basically 12-hour round trips to do it. They'd get over a target. There's nobody on the ground to confirm that's not Afghan National Army versus Taliban. And then again, as they surrounded Kabul, we could have simply put a defensive perimeter around and, and the Taliban wouldn't have challenged it. But giving lists to the Taliban of Americans and civs and green card holders only ensures that when we leave, any of those on the list that didn't get evacuated, well, we've now granted the Taliban a firsthand list of who our allies were. And look, the Taliban are not reformed. I believe, and this is, I don't know this from any classified source, I wouldn't be surprised if the Taliban and ISIS were cooperating uh, on this attack because they wanted to embarrass us. They're, this is, they're not some reformed, you know, good group of people. We're going to see some really bad stuff. Congressman, it seems like we could go on for hours, and I'm not an expert. You're more of an expert than I am. We've had a lot of guests on who know what they're talking about. We could go on and on about what could have or should have been done already, and it is a long list. And all of that, all of it, 
is on President Biden and his administration. The execution of this policy, he's the commander-in-chief. He's the one who's insisted on this timeline. He's the one who's insisted on this deadline, I guess with the Taliban also sort of calling the shots. It could have been done so many different ways that wouldn't have led to what we're already seeing in a God knows what's still to come in the coming days. If we just want to pivot for a moment here as we still wait for President Biden to speak, what should we do now? Realistically, what could we do right now that would make the situation better, at least in the immediate term, for as many people as possible? Well, let's be clear. Bad choices lead to bad options, and that's all we have right now is bad options. One option is we could just simply say we're out and roll, or we could say, and this is what I think we have to do, we could say that we are holding this airport, that we will be here until our military or until our U.S. citizens and green card holders and Afghan civ partners are out. And in fact, obviously, the Taliban are unable to secure the perimeter. We're unable to rely on them. And I think we need to continue external missions uh, to rescue these folks. But look, we have to put the combat power in place and make it clear to the Taliban, to ISIS and any of the other 20 jihadist groups that have made it clear they want to kill us, including al-Qaeda or uh, the Haqqani network, who is part of the Taliban governing network, that we are determined to stay until this is over. And uh, but I we're not. That is really I mean, that's the, the thing, though. We're, we're not determined, right? We're not determined to do oh, so no. because the commander in chief is the opposite of determined to do that. He is determined to leave no matter what. And it seems inevitable at this point, Congressman, that an untold number of Americans and far more Afghan allies that the president even last week promised would be rescued or evacuated will in fact be stranded. I know they don't like that word, but it's the word even abandoned within the next few days. Is there any avoiding that at this point? If the president comes out and says what I expect he will, that August 31st is still circled in red. No, then I think there's no way to avoid that. It'll be a massive hostage crisis. It'll be a massive disaster. You now have cell phones in Afghanistan, so we'll get a front row seat of the brutality that the Taliban had prior to us ejecting them in 2001. Um, I hope he extends that deadline. Keep in mind, August 31st is an arbitrary deadline. That was simply made because, you know, Joe Biden realized that his initial deadline of September 11th was optically really bad. So he made it August 31st. Somehow now that's written in gold. So I hope he comes out and says we're going to stay until the job is done. Uh, But like you, I'm concerned that he's not going to. But I'll hopefully withhold judgment till he changes. But he's going to look utterly weak. And not just him. Like This is the thing we have to keep in mind. This is America splayed out in front of the world. And if we think, you know, pivoting from Afghanistan will allow us to be, you know, more focused on China, well, we've just done more damage to our credibility and to the unity of us and our allies than probably anything we, we could have done or have been done in modern history. Congressman Adam Kinzinger, we really appreciate your time here today and your insights We're going to take a break because the president could speak at any minute. He was supposed to start uh, 15 minutes ago. I know you've got to run. You've got another interview. Adam Kinzinger, Republican, Illinois, on The Guy Benson Show. Thank you, Congressman. You bet. Take it. We'll be right back, and we will see if the president decides to speak. He's already running late. Again, I, I shouldn't be surprised. 
but I still am. You would think on a day like this, given what has happened, that the president would set a time with the world watching and would show up. He'll show up eventually, I presume. And if and when he does during this hour, before we go off the air, we'll bring it to you. It is The Guy Benson Show. Stay with us. The Guy Benson Show. More next. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. It's the Guy Benson Show. I'm Guy Benson. 11 U.S. Marines and a Navy medic are dead today in Kabul, Afghanistan. Terrorist attacks attributed to ISIS or ISIS-K splinter group at and around the airport, Hamid Karzai International Airport in Kabul, which, as Chris Wallace, our Fox News colleague, called it in a memorable and accurate turn of phrase earlier on Fox News Channel, it's a death trap. We've put all of our eggs into the basket of this airport, which is not easily defensible. There are reports that there are multiple terrorist organizations now, beyond just the Taliban, operating openly throughout Kabul. And one of those organizations has claimed responsibility for the murder of 12 Americans, and the death toll overall, I just saw, has now increased to 90. Are we going to do anything about that? Are we so focused on the Taliban's deadline of next Tuesday that we get out completely, or else what? Or else they're going to, what, kill Americans? What's happening now? They're going to start killing Our allies on the ground, they've already done that. They've been doing that. In fact, we now know, courtesy of a Politico report based on multiple sources, that apparently the Biden administration gave a list of known Americans and American allies, collaborators, the Taliban might call them, who are trying to get out of Kabul, trying to get out of Afghanistan, the idea being we would give our, our allies, if you will, our allies, the Taliban, calling the shots in some very important ways. Here's the list. Please let them through since they control the perimeter of the airport, which is something that we, I guess, decided to allow to happen. And now with the U.S. military having been targeted... With the administration giving every indication that the deadline is still on, the question becomes now what? Is there going to be a reprisal for this attack and for these killings? And if and when we get out on the timeline that the president is demanding and the Taliban is demanding, what happens to the thousands of people left behind, especially those who might still be on the list that we gave them? Fox News alert. The president of the United States, Joe Biden, now speaking at the White House. Let's listen. An attack by a group known as ISIS-K took the lives of American service members standing guard at the airport 
and wounded several others seriously. He had also wounded a number of civilians, and civilians were killed as well. I've been engaged all day in constant contact with the military commanders here in Washington and the Pentagon, as well as in Afghanistan and uh, Doha. And uh, my commanders here in Washington in the field have been on this with great detail, and you've had a chance to speak to some so far. The situation on the ground is still evolving, and I'm constantly being updated. <clears throat> These American service members who gave their lives it's an overused word, but it's totally appropriate here. We're heroes. Heroes who have been engaged in a dangerous, selfless mission to save the lives of others. They're a part of an airlift, an evacuation effort unlike any scene in history, with more than 100,000 American citizens, American partners, Afghans who helped us, and others taken to safety in the last 11 days. Just in the last 12 hours or so, another 7,000 have gotten out. They were part of the bravest, most capable, the most selfless military on the face of the earth. And they're part of simply what I call the backbone of America. They're the spine of America, the best the country has to offer. Jill and I, our hearts ache, like I'm sure all of you do as well, for all those Afghan families who lost loved ones, including small children, or been wounded in this vicious attack. And we're outraged as well as heartbroken. <clears throat> Being the father of an Army major who served for a year in Iraq and before that was in Kosovo as a U.S. attorney for better part of six months in the middle of a war. When he came home after a year in, a, in Iraq, was diagnosed, like many, many coming home, with an aggressive and lethal cancer of the brain. We lost. We have some sense, like many of you do, what the families of these brave heroes are feeling today. You get this feeling like you're being sucked into a black hole in the middle of your chest. There's no way out. My heart aches for you. But I know this. We have a continuing obligation, <clears throat> a sacred obligation to all of you, the families of those heroes. That obligation is not temporary. It lasts forever. The lives we lost today were lives given in the service of liberty, the service of security, and the service of others, in the service of America. Like their fellow brothers and sisters in arms who died defending our vision and our values in the struggle against terrorism, of the fall on this day, they're part of a great and noble company of American heroes. To those who carried out this attack, 
as well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this. We will not forgive. We are up on a hard break. We're going to take it. President Biden speaking live at the White House. More when we come back. GuyBensonShow.com Fox News alert as we return to the Guy Benson Show. President Biden just wrapping up his remarks at the White House following the death today of 12 U.S. service members. He's now taking questions. Let's listen. They need, if they need additional force, I will grant it. But the military from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the Joint Chiefs, Commanders in the field have all contacted me one way or another, usually by letter, saying they subscribe to the mission as designed to get as many people out as we can within the time frame that is allotted. That is the best way they believe to get as many Americans out as possible and others. And with regard to finding, tracking down, the ISIS leaders who ordered this. We have some reason to believe we know who they are. Not certain. And we will find ways of our choosing without large military operations to get them. Wherever they are. Um, Trevor, Reuters. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, there's been some criticism, uh, even from people in your party, about the dependence on the Taliban to secure the perimeter of the airport. Do you, do you feel like there was a, a mistake uh, made in that regard? No, I, I don't. Look, um, I think General McKenzie handled this question very well. The fact is that we're in a situation we inherited the situation, particularly since, as we all know, that the Afghan military collapsed 11 days before, in 11 days, that it is in the interest of, as McKenzie said, in the interest of the Taliban, that, in fact, ISIS-K does not metastasize beyond what it is, number one. And number two, it's in their interest that we are able to leave on time, on target. And as a consequence of that, the major things we've asked them, moving back the perimeter, giving more space between the wall, stopping vehicles from coming through, etc., searching people coming through, it is not what you'd call a tightly commanded, regimented operation like the U.S. is, the military is, but they're acting in their interest, their interest. And so, by and large, and I've asked the same question to military on the ground, whether or not it's a useful exercise. No one trusts them. We're just counting on their self-interest to continue to generate their activities. And it's in their self-interest 
that we leave when we said and that we get as many people out as we can. Like I said, even in the midst of everything that happened today, over 7,000 people we've gotten out, over 5,000 Americans over. So uh, it's not a matter of trust. It's a matter of mutual self-interest. And uh, but there is no evidence thus far that I've been given as a consequence by any of our commanders in the field that there has been collusion between the Taliban and ISIS in carrying out what happened today, both in front of the hotel and what is expected to continue for uh, beyond today. Um, Amir, Associated Press. Thank you, Mr. President. You have spoken, um, again, powerfully about uh, your own son and the weight of these decisions. With that in mind, and also what you've said, um, that the longer we stay, the more likelihood that there would be a major attack. How do you weigh staying even one more day considering what's happened? Because I think what America says matters. What we say we're going to do in the context in which we say we're going to do it, that we do it, unless something exceptional changes. There are additional American citizens. There are additional green card holders. There are additional personnel of our allies. There are additional SIV cardholders. There are additional Afghans that have helped us. And there are additional groups of individuals that have been contacted us from women's groups to NGOs and others who have expressly indicated they want to get out and have gathered in certain circumstances in groups on buses and other means that still presents the opportunity for in the next several days between now and the 31st to be able to get them out. And our military, and I believe, to the extent that we can do that knowing the threat, knowing that we may very well have another attack, the military has concluded that's what we should do. I think they're right. I think they're correct. And after that, we're going to be in a uh, circumstance where there are, will be, I believe, numerous opportunities to continue to provide access for additional persons to get out of Afghanistan, either through means that we provide and or are provided through in cooperation with the Taliban. They're not good guys, the Taliban. We're not suggesting that at all. But they have keen interest. As many of you have been reporting, they very much would like to figure out how to keep the airport open. They don't have the capacity to do it. 
they very much are trying to figure out whether or not they can uh, maintain what is a portion of an economy that has become not robust, but fundamentally different than it had been. And so there's a lot of reasons why they have reached out, not just to us, but to others, as to why it would be continued in their interest to get more of the personnel we want to get out, we can locate them. Now, there's not many left that we can assess that are, want to come out. There's some Americans we've identified, we've contacted the vast majority of them, not all of them, who don't want to leave because they have they're dual nationals, they have extended families, etc. And there's others who uh, are looking for the time. So that's why we continue. I'll take a few more questions, and uh, but you, sir. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, you, uh, you say that what America says matters. Um, What do you say to the Afghans who helped troops um, who may not be able to get out by August 31st? I say we're going to continue to to try to get you out. It matters. Look, I know of no conflict as a student of history, no conflict where when a war was ending, one side was able to guarantee that everyone they wanted to be extracted from that country would get out. And think about it, folks. I think it's important. I know the American people get this in their gut. There are, I would argue, millions of Afghani citizens who are not Taliban, who did not actively cooperate with us as SIVs, who have given a chance, they'd be on board a plane tomorrow. It sounds ridiculous, but the vast majority of people in communities like that want to come to America, given a choice. So getting every single person out is, can't be guaranteed by anybody because there's a determination all who wants to get out as well. At any rate, it's a process. I was really pointing to you, but you, sir. Um, thank you, Mr. President. There are reports that U.S. officials provided the Taliban with names of Americans and Afghan officials uh, to evacuate. Were you aware of that? Did that happen? And then, sir, did you personally reject a recommendation to hold or to recapture Bagram Air Force Base? Here's what I've done on the, let's ask this, answer the last question first. On the tactical questions of how to conduct an evacuation or a war, I gather up all the major military personnel that are in Afghanistan, the commanders, as well as the Pentagon. And I ask for their best military judgment. What would be the most efficient way to accomplish the mission. They concluded, the military, that Bagram was not much value added, that it was much wiser to focus on Kabul. And so I followed that recommendation. With regard to, there are certain circumstances 
where we've gotten information, and quite frankly, sometimes from some of you, saying you know of such and such a group of people are trying to get out, they're on a bus, they're moving from other people. And this is their location. And there have been occasions when our military has contacted their military counterparts in the Taliban and said, this, for example, this bus is coming through with X number of people on it, made up of the following group of people. We want you to let that bus or that group through. So, yes, there have been occasions like that. And to the best of my knowledge, in those cases, the bulk of that has occurred. They've been let through. But I can't tell you with any certitude that there's actually been a list of names. I know there may have been, but I know of no circumstance. It doesn't mean it's not didn't exist. That here's the names of 12 people. They're coming. Let them through. It could very well have happened. I'll take one more question. Wait, 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 wait. Let me take the one question from the most interesting guy that I know in the press. That's you. Mr. President, there had not been a U.S. service member killed in combat in Afghanistan since February of 2020. You set a deadline, you pulled troops out, you sent troops back in, and now 12 Marines are dead. You said the buck stops with you. Do you bear any responsibility for the way that things have unfolded in the last two weeks? I bear responsibility for fundamentally all that's happened of late. But here's the deal. You know, I wish you'd one day say these things, you know as well as I do that the former president made a deal with the Taliban that he would get all American forces out of Afghanistan by May 1. In return, the commitment was made, and that was a year before. In return, he was given a commitment that the Taliban would continue to attack others but would not attack any American forces. Remember that? I'm, I'm being serious. I, no, I, I'm asking you a question. Be, uh, because before... No, 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 wait a minute. I'm asking you a question. Is that, is that accurate, the best of you or not? What? Do you think that people have an issue with pulling out of Afghanistan or just the way that things have happened? I think they have an issue that people are likely to get hurt. Some, as we've seen, have gotten killed, and that it is messy. The reason why, whether my friend will acknowledge it or has reported it, the reason why there were no attacks on Americans, as you said, from the date until I came into office, was because the commitment was made by President Trump, I will be out by May 1st. In the meantime, you agree not to attack any Americans. That was the deal. That's why no American was attacked. Yes, I do. Because look at it this way, folks. And I'm going to I have another meeting for real. But imagine where we'd be if I had indicated on May the 1st, I was not going to renegotiate an evacuation date. We were going to stay there. 
I'd have only one alternative, pour thousands of more troops back into Afghanistan to fight a war that we had already won relative to why the reason we went in the first place. I have never been of the view that we should be sacrificing American lives to try to establish a democratic government in Afghanistan, a country that has never once in its entire history been a united country and is made up, I don't mean this in a derogatory, made up of different tribes who have never, ever, ever gotten along with one another. And so, as I said before, this is the last comment I'll make. We'll have more chance to talk about this, unfortunately, beyond, because we're not out yet. If Osama bin Laden, as well as al-Qaeda, had chosen to launch an attack when they left Saudi Arabia out of Yemen, would we have ever gone to Afghanistan, even though the Taliban completely controlled Afghanistan at the time? Would we have ever gone? So the president here talking about the reasons that he decided to withdraw from Afghanistan while, again, not taking ownership of the horrific execution that we are witnessing right now. We've got a break. We'll be right back on The Guy Benson Show. A fresh take on the biggest stories of the day. It's Guy Benson. Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show. Well, we heard from the president. He took some questions. If you feel any added confidence or clarity coming out of that, then I can't say that I share those sentiments with you. The delivery, the substance, all of it. It sounds like he sort of confirmed that Politico scoop and said we're sticking with the 31st deadline. And we're going to try to get people out. I think that's what he said. That was not good. See you tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.